0: out. (laughs) All right. The latest news, sport and weather on the way. Give me a call, 131269. I will play a Christmas song as well. That's not too far away when I do. uh, To get the goodies, those CDs from Sony Music, 131269, caller number three, of course. As always, we'll get the goods there.
1: Good morning. I'm Diane Coveney Garland. Commuters are being warned about disruptions to the New South Wales rail network due to industrial action. The rail, tram and bus unions taking part. Sydney Train CEO Matt Longland says commuters are being urged to
2: plan ahead. Around two thirds of our train fleet won't be operating as a result of this action planned by the rail, tram and bus union. Uh, we are disappointed that the unions are taking this action and the inconvenience it will create for customers. Uh, What it will mean for customers is much less frequent train services.
1: Covid positive cases have attended a second venue in the New South Wales Hunter. New South Wales health has confirmed anyone who went to Finnegan's Hotel in Newcastle between 6:30 Friday night and 2:30 Saturday morning is considered a close contact. They must be tested and isolate for 7 days. Some of those who visited the pub are likely to have the Omicron variant. It's the second venue in Newcastle in a matter of days to be affected. Dozens have tested positive after attending the Argyle House nightclub last Wednesday night and Thursday morning. At least one person has died in the UK after contracting the Omicron coronavirus variant. Tough new restrictions have been introduced in the UK as a result. The latest data on public hospital emergency departments in Australia has been released. There's been some growth recorded in areas where they haven't been hit by restrictions. Dr Adrian Webster from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare says lockdowns have led to fewer emergency department incidents.
2: What we saw during the first phase of the pandemic uh, was reductions in ED activity, so quite slow growth um, overall. Uh, This year brings us back more on trend. Of course, we are then expecting the more recent rounds of COVID um, periods and lockdowns to have an effect on ED attendances.
1: People are being urged to be careful when swimming in rivers. They can be deadly and are the top location for drowning in Australia. Dr. Amy Peden from UNSW says the figures are staggering.
2: Our rivers don't have safe places to swim and lifeguarded areas like our beaches do, um, and they often hide a lot of hazards underneath the water. So rivers can look quite still and calm and appealing, but it's very hard to see the fast currents, the, the sub- submerged objects, and the, the cold water as well. So We're, I guess, wanting people to show the same respect to rivers that they show to beaches and make sure they're being safe this summer.
1: The wife of a US diplomat is due to face a London court hearing next month over a fatal crash in England. 19-year-old Harry Dunn died after his motorbike collided with the car being driven by Anne Sekoulis. Sekoulis left Britain a short time after the crash, claiming diplomatic immunity. Universities are preparing for the return of international students to Australia. Charles Sturt University Director of Global Engagement, Eleanor Mitchell, says it's been a long time coming. It's
2: a really
3: exciting time for us as we look to reinvigorate um, our international students being on our main regional campus network and that our students here still stuck offshore are just really excited by the fact that we've got the first students returning uh, and they look forward to when they'll be able
2: to come back and study face-to-face on campus as well.
1: Updating sport, the Brisbane Heat have notched up their first BBL victory of summer. The Heat cruised to a five-wicket win over Melbourne Renegades on the Gold Coast. England All-Rounder Ben Stokes has signed a contract extension with Durham, which will keep him at the first-class county club until 2024. Stokes has played 64 red ball matches for Durham. All Blacks coach Ian Foster believes the absence of South Africa's teams from the annual Super Rugby competition has had a negative impact impact on the New Zealand team. South African sides haven't played since before the start of the pandemic and Foster says their absence is being felt. US Open champion Emma Raducanu has tested positive for COVID-19 and will miss this week's World Tennis Championship exhibition event in Abu Dhabi. The 19-year-old Briton was scheduled to play Olympic singles gold medalist Belinda Bancic. In finance, Dow Jones is down 211 points at 35,000 one Australian dollars buying 71.36 US cents. This is Super Network News.
3: Feels like summer. You're listening to Marcus Paul in the morning.
0: Like like Alright, welcome back. 25 minutes away from eight. Reports today that the government was warned that sharp track bends could cause faults in the inner west light rail well there is a conflict between spanish manufacturer of the light rail and transport for new south wales over who's responsible who's liable and of course the cause of the cracking the communication between well caf and transport for new south wales raises serious concerns over whether the inner west light rail vehicles have been operating according to the design specifications and maintenance instructions It is also concerning that we have a situation where Transport for New South Wales officials don't have access to light rail maintenance documents they understand, with key documents only available in Spanish. Hola! That's not good. Six weeks after the Inner West Light Rail was suspended, and we still don't know when commuters will be able to use the line again. Each day the light rail service isn't running. The cost of replacement buses is costing the taxpayer, you ready for this, $90,000 a day. Let me repeat that. Each day the light rail service isn't running. The cost of replacement buses is costing the taxpayer of New South Wales $90,000 a day. Dear, oh, dearie me. Meanwhile, secret documents reveal that the Transport Department was aware of the government's original timetable to deliver the new intercity fleet into service, and it was optimistic, and they were aware of significant delays from the South Korean train manufacturer, including because the Korean facility didn't have the capacity to build the cars fast enough. It's also been revealed that the project is now $1 billion over budget. This is the latest cost blow out of the new inner-city fleet, which was originally set to begin operation at the end of 2019. So not only is it late, this new inner-city fleet, but it's completely and utterly out of budget. Dear, oh, dearie me, where's Andrew Constance? Nowhere. 1312, this is his mess. He and Gladys Berejiklian's mess. Where are they? Well, they're sucking on the taxpayer teat. While Constance, well, Gladys will move into a cushy, well paid job in the public service as she uh, said that she would do. And Andrew Constance is going to have a crack at federal politics and will probably win his seat on the south coast. And look at the mess they've left for New South Wales taxpayers. Give me a call, 13 12 69. That's the open line number. We'll talk some federal politics in a moment with Andrew Lee. He'll be on the program.
4: Bells will be ringing, the sad, sad news. Oh, what a Christmas to blue. My baby's gone. me greetings once again.
0: The Boys from Human Nature. Patricia, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks, Marcus. I've been trying it for
3: a few weeks. I got
0: on. Wow. You have. Well done. Uh, Courtesy of Sony Music, Uh, you can play that to your heart's content. Uh, That song, Please Be Home for Christmas, features Smokey Robertson. It's on this CD. And thanks to Sony, I've got a copy. We'll get it out to you just in the next. the Saint Nick of Time.
3: Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you. Love your program. By oh, the way, you. that's Fantastic. very kind.
0: So, where yeah. are you from, Patricia?
3: I'm from Haberfield, in front of the, the light rail that
0: you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Out there in beautiful Haberfield. Yes. Well, listen. Definitely. You, what do you got planned for Chrissy? Um, nothing
3: much. Just with the family, and the okay. grandkids.
2: Nice. a
0: Quiet one. I love it. All right. Will you enjoy? Thank you very much. And thank you for listening. And pass it on. Okay.
3: I certainly will. I always listen. Don't miss out. Don't you worry. (laughs) All
0: right. We'll let everybody know. (laughs) Thank you, Patricia. Just hang on the line there. Justin uh, will get your details. Justin will get your details. 131269, the open line number. An email here from Eric. G'day, Marcus. Uh, He wants to talk about uh, the ABC insiders and David Spears. Okay. Eric from Port Macquarie, a regular contributor to the program via email. Eric says, Marcus, like many people, I was quite surprised when David Spears jumped ship from Sky to the insiders. My initial reaction was that he was a Trojan horse. And unfortunately, the evidence bears me out. In November and December, Spears talked up Australia's economic performance with both Morrison and Frydenberg. Trouble is, they were all talking about predictions, which we all know are notoriously inaccurate economic performance should be measured on what's happened. The Morrison government's economic record has been the worst since the 1950s, a provable reality which insiders consistently conceals. And this even allows for the effects of COVID. On the insiders, Frydenberg claimed, quote, when we came to government, real wages were falling. Unemployment was rising in those years before the pandemic. After we came to government, real wages increased every year, unquote. What? What have you been smoking, Josh? Um, Eric goes on saying this is patently false and not called out by Spears. It was quite the reverse. Looks like the government is a strong supporter now on the ABC and, and objectivity has rapidly declined. All right, thank you, Eric. Appreciate that. 13, 12, 69, the open line number. Um, it's 17 minutes away from eight. Well, something the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, did say uh, in a major speech... Uh, He's promised to give Australians their, quote, freedom back as the coalition anchors its re-election pitch with a pledge to keep the nation, quote, stronger, safer, together. All right, well, uh, as one of my correspondents say, well, that's an interesting take when he's played politics of division basically his whole career. Goodness, I hope the public sees through this fraud at the poll booths. Sandy says, well, it's a shame he can't give two little girls from Biloela their freedom. And Deborah says, well, he's taking credit for what the state premiers have basically done. Stronger, safer together. That's the new cash phrase, says Graham, from the same bloke that went to Hawaii while the nation burned. I don't hold a hose, mate. Wow. All right, Andrew and Lee. Uh, um, for the last time this year, uh, and until uh, next year, twenty twenty-two, uh, let's chat to Andrew and Lee about a little federal politics. Morning, mate. Good morning, mate. How are you? All right. You been on your run this morning? Absolutely. Beautiful day out in Canberra today. What is it there? Is it ninety-eight or ninety-nine percent fully vaxxed?
2: Uh, so, our big risk was that we'd go over 100% because uh, people weren't sure. You know, we're working off the 2016 census numbers. People weren't sure precisely how many adults were here. But yes, it's, uh, it's almost, almost universal among over 12s, which is uh, really, really good to see. Uh, I think just reflects the kind of uh, community mindedness of many Canberrans, the willingness to get vaccinated, not just for yourself, but for your community too.
0: Well, there's no doubt. And um, I think Andrew Barr's done a, a pretty good job down there, as he usually does. But I mean, that. Uh the ACT, or Canberra, if you like, has to be one of the most vaccinated jurisdictions anywhere on the
2: planet, surely. Yeah, it's the most vaccinated place in the world. And uh, wow. you know, I think it's a, it's a real credit to, uh, to, in some sense, those those old-fashioned values. Uh, you know, family, you know, community, service before self. Uh, that's uh, that's what people, people have done, uh, rolled their arms up. And, you know, of course, you're seeing that across the vast majority of uh, of other parts of Australia too.
0: All right. Now, you heard that uh, that short little editorial just before. Um, uh, Stronger, safer together. That's Scott Morrison's new, uh, well, go-to catchphrase, his pledge for return of freedoms. He's promised to give Australians their, quote, freedom back.
2: Well, look at, let's look at uh, why so many of us lost our freedoms. It was because Scott Morrison failed on vaccines and quarantines fundamental federal responsibilities. Uh, If he'd uh, managed to uh, have purpose-built quarantine facilities, if he'd got vaccine procurement in line with other advanced countries, then we wouldn't have had to have the severity of lockdowns that we had. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that at the start of the year we had the slowest vaccine rollout in the advanced world. And just in the September quarter, we had the worst growth figure in the advanced world. Mm. Uh, with the economy suffered, people have suffered as a result of the Prime Minister's failure to do vaccines. And, and today you've got him announcing an mRNA uh, production facility in two years yeah. late that won't be, won't be built for another two years. Now, the bloke is all announcement, no delivery.
0: All right well I mean interestingly if Scott Morrison had accepted the Pfizer offer of 40 million vaccines in July 2020 for delivery from December of that year then Australia could have been fully vaccinated by the middle of this year and we could have avoided all 2021 uh, hotel quarantine leaks and all subsequent lockdowns instead our vaccines went to Israel um, I remember the the prime minister saying at the time that we were at the front of the vaccination queue. <laughs> what queue? The fuck, you? I mean, for goodness sake.
2: We couldn't even see the front of the queue from where we were, Marcus. You know, eventually, of course, Australians did the right thing. When vaccines arrived, people rolled their sleeves up and got, uh, got the jab. Uh, but we would have been in a far better position with a government that uh, procured those uh, those vaccines, uh, and the economy would have been in a much stronger a stronger position too. You now, invariably, after this big downturn, then the economy is is going to going to rebound. Uh, but I, I feel like uh, Scott Morrison and Josh Frydenberg are a bit like a couple of guys that have dug a really deep hole, and, and now want credit from the Australian people for climbing out of it.
0: All right. Well, uh, we'll have a budget update in just a couple of days. Um, Josh Frydenberg has been out spruiking the uh, rebound to our economy. Can he be believed?
2: Well, the real test for Josh Frydenberg is how's he going to increase real wages? So Earlier this year, his budget said that real wages would go backwards at the same time as the profit shares hit record highs. He's got to make clear how he's going to increase productivity. Uh, Labor's uh, announced that we would invest in uh, hundreds of thousands of free TAFE places and tens of thousands of additional university places, as well as putting more critical, crucial infrastructure where it's needed. Uh, that's the key to pro- productivity. Uh, but you know, my guess is Josh Frydenberg's idea of productivity is just uh, uh, cutting wages and penalty rates. Uh, and then the, uh, the the big big question is uh, how we build back fairness and whether we can actually get an economy which is fairer than the one that we had in two thousand and nineteen. Now the whole idea that the best Australia can do is the low productivity, low low wage growth, stagnant economy of twenty nineteen, and that really sets a, a low set a low, low expectations, yeah. low ambition on what Australia can achieve. All right, you uh, have written a new book. Tell me about it. Yeah, the new book's called What's the Worst That Could Happen, uh, Existential Risk and Extreme Politics, and it, uh, it's about uh, things that could end the world. Climate change, nuclear war, pandemics, well, all the stuff of your favourite disaster movies.
4: Sure.
2: Uh, and it makes the case that, uh, that when we have populists in power, uh, then they tend to destroy the very things we need to tackle these existential challenges. They turn the temperature up, they trash institutions, they undermine global cooperation, and therefore they make it more likely uh, that these disaster scenarios will come to come to fruit
0: you've just depressed me
2: Andrew. <laughs> Hi. well here's here's the optimistic take marcus tell me if humans have only been been around the planet for a hundred couple of hundred thousand years yes if we get this right the sun will, uh, will get will uh, take about a billion years before it engulfs the planet yeah. and our descendants could do extraordinary things they could live far longer than us. They could live healthier and more meaningful and fulfilling lives. And so, really, you know, we owe it to our kids and their kids and all the generations to come to make sure that humanity's continuation on the on the on the planet is yeah, assured. Well, uh, And that's that's yeah, that's about tackling things uh, like pandemics and uh, nu- nuclear disaster, uh, making sure that we get those uh, those those risks down to zero, uh, mm. so our uh, our descendants can thrive.
0: All right, Albo apparently told Sky News border closures during the pandemic highlighted the heavy reliance on skilled migrants. Uh, Labor admits that while migration is necessary, Albo will campaign for better training and education for Australians rather than have a, a massive increase of migrants.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's anything exceptional in what uh, Anthony said there. It's important that we have a strong education program and that, that's why we announced the uh, TAFE and university places as we did. Uh, we've got to make sure that we're investing in people and that uh, there are good jobs avail- available in the economy. Now, one of the reasons uh, I think populists have gotten a, a toehold in so many advanced countries is that they've uh, taken their eye off the ball when it comes to creating uh, secure jobs for, uh, for residents. Uh, and of course, you know, we'll have a uh, skilled migration program that fills the gaps. Uh, but the reason that Australia's migration program has historically enjoyed such strong support is that people have seen migrants coming in uh, to do uh, roles that uh, that weren't filled otherwise, uh, yeah. rather than crowding, crowding locals out of jobs.
0: Andrew, it's been wonderful having you on this year. Well done on uh, on trying to claw back as much money as you can um, under uh, the flawed JobKeeper scheme. Uh, that's why we dubbed you our JobKeeper Warrior. Uh, there's still some work to do in that area, but uh, I've appreciated our chats each and every Tuesday. Uh, to you and your wonderful family and your staff and everyone at Team Lee, thank you for your
2: contribution on the program this year, mate. Hey mate, it's been a real pleasure and all the best to you and the 1269 team and uh, of course to your fabulous listeners. Good on you mate, we'll talk in 2022. Look forward to it and uh, goodbye to my mum and dad who I know always listen to your show too. Oh aren't they kind.
0: What's mum and dad's name? Barbara and Michael in Pennant Hills. Ah Barbara and Michael in Pennant Hills, good morning Um, and and thank you for listening to the program and uh, Amanda is doing a great job and uh, hopefully, (laughs) look. Uh, look, I know uh, people will probably give me a bit of curry for this, and, and maybe some won't like it, but I think you'd make a good treasurer.
2: You're always too kind, Marcus. Have a great break. <laughs> All right. You want the job? I think you. Yeah. Jim, Jim Chalmers will do a <laughs> fabulous, fabulous job as Australia's next, uh, next treasurer, and I'm really looking forward to working with him.
0: All right. Okay. Well, you can be assistant treasurer then. Take care,
2: Marcus. Thank you. All again. right. You
0: wouldn't bite, would he? Andrew uh, Lee, who joins us each and every uh, Tuesday. He'll be back in 2022 on the program.
2: Relationships are built on compromise,
3: but never compromise on sleep. My side at 40 Winks is two beds in one. Firmer over here, softer over there. My side, exclusively at 40 Winks. Serious about sleep. Marcus Paul in the morning.
0: Well, despite our epic, vac- uh, epic vaccination rates, New South Wales health officials have been accused of overreacting by putting hundreds of people in isolation for an entire week simply for being present in the same venue as an Omicron case. This happened, of course, up on The Hunter and it also includes uh, members of the Newcastle Knights football club. It means, though, that some people in Sydney are at risk of spending yet another lonely Christmas locked inside. Well, let's hope that's not the case. Let's hope that's not the case. Also making news this morning, I see hospitality leaders have slammed young people for turning down work in bars and restaurants, despite some jobs paying more than $100,000. With the sector so desperate for workers, they say it's time to cut the welfare of work-shy Australians and force them off the sofa and into hospitality jobs. You agree, give me a call thirteen twelve sixty nine John are you there
3: hello Marcus how are you good John off you go uh very good that interview with uh, Mr lee thank you but I want to go back to the Speed cameras. And I'll go back to when Constance, what he originally stated, when they were going to be implemented. He said, these cameras are going to be, these signs and cameras are going to be there to save lives. And we warn people and it'll slow people down and and save lives because we're going to put them in where the black spots where accidents happen. That hasn't happened. All they've put in there. sort of said, listen, can you put them over there? There's 10,000 cars go bad there a week. Surely <laughs> there we can get 6% out of that. we get a few over here. we get a few over there. And because of all the mistakes I've made as Transport Minister, that'll offset the, the budget a bit, won't make it look... His mud sheet, to go into federal politics, would be the, 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 the uh, mixture of disaster for the country. Now, we, everything they've touched... The three of them, Berejiklian, uh, uh, the Treasurer and Constance, has been failures. And these cameras, what the the, uh, Deputy Transport Minister said, high visibility of police cars, that'll soon slow people down. And whilst they're driving around, they may detect other criminal activities that are going on.
0: Well, that's right, John. i have to leave it there, mate, because I've got the news coming up, but you're 100% right. And my concern is, where are the documents on the contracts See, the thing is, you know, for these speed camera operators, my issue is I'm sure they've been privatised and the government can't get out of the contracts. That's why they're in no rush to put the speed signs back.